Welcome and thank you for listening to River Valley Church Fresno's podcast. For more information on us, please log in to our website, rvcfresno.com, or you can find us at the App Store, River Valley Church Fresno. Hey, welcome to RVC Online today. We are glad you've joined us. Uh, we are in the middle of a four-week series called A Call to Pray. And today we're looking at what the Apostle Paul encourages young Timothy as he's establishing churches, getting them to understand what are the priorities, what's the culture of a church supposed to be like. And, uh, and so he writes to Timothy, and it's in 1 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1, he begins and lets Timothy know let's what the church uh, is supposed to be about. He says, first of all, then, I urge that supplications, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and there is one mediator between God and men, the man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for all, which is the testimony given at the proper time. For this I was appointed a preacher and an apostle, Paul says. I am telling the truth, I'm not lying, a teacher of the Gentiles in faith and truth. So here we are in this series. We feel like it's appropriate for our times we're in as we, as a nation, have been fa- as a world, have been facing this pandemic. Uh, certainly we have um, experienced a lot of difficulty, not only Maybe you have friends and loved ones that have gotten sick, or but just the repercussions of being uh, in this pandemic time and being in lockdown and and doing work from home and doing you know school from home. It, it's been a challenging time, and, and and as we head into an election cycle, we need to be a church that is in prayer. And we find throughout God's word in the New Testament that God's call to the church. Last week we talked about the call to actually intercede and to pray and do battle in prayer. The 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 way prayer is used as a weapon of warfare. Certainly we are under attack. We have an enemy and we are called to engage in battle. Uh, I gave you a challenge last week which was to, you know, to pick somebody that God would put on your heart and pray for them all week long. Another one I gave was to actually, you, you know, when we talk to people and we hear about what's going on in their life and, and there's something that we know God wants to do. Maybe it's a, a, a request that they give us or just a difficulty they're facing. I said, hey, let's, instead of saying, I'll pray for you, like right then and there, let's start making it a habit of ours to pray for people. Uh, this week, actually, I was talking to someone I ran into at Trader Joe's from RVC. We were talking about some of the challenges that the last six months has brought in our families and in this particular person's family. And, and, I, and I was challenged with the thought, like, man, I talked about this last week about like take that step and so right then and there in the parking lot me in the car they were outside six feet away we just let's pray right now I believe that God's spirit wants to do work and he wants to he, he's bringing the very things that he wants to do breakthroughs in people's lives he brings it to the surface in a conversation so that right then and there we can do battle Well, here we see that Paul is directing the church now uh, with this idea that we're supposed to pray for all. And so we're going to unpack that today. Here's what we do know. 
is that God wants RVC and he wants you and me to be men and women that actually are increasing in our prayers. This isn't so that God loves us more. This is so that we're more engaged and in partnership with what the Lord wants to do. You know, before COVID began, the last couple of years, we've been increasing our prayer meetings called fervent meetings. And they've been fantastic as we see themes pop up of how God is wanting to work in people's lives. We, we have many ways that you can send prayer requests in so that we can be praying praying for the needs. Uh, we, we, want, we want to pray more as a church family. We want to encourage you to pray more because we know that, that Satan knows, I should say, that, that when the church is in prayer, when the church is on its knees, uh, it will impact lives and there will be mountains that are moved because God moves in answer to prayer. So it is with our individual prayer lives as well as we increase our reliance on God and Lord and, and really press in in prayer, we're going to see mountains move in our lives. James says that the prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. Our current time, we talked about this last Sunday, we have division in our land, a reason for us to be in prayer. We have increased depression among our youth and adults. Certainly, uh, some of that is circumstantial. Some of it is, you know, is, needs medical assistance. I'm a, a proponent for medication if you need it, counseling, of course, if you need it. But I think that Satan adds fuel to that difficulty and pounces on those opportunities. And we've seen an rise in that in people's lives. Marriage is under attack, financial financial stress and pressure. Families are divided, political unrest, and people who are hurting and lost within our own families, within our own community. And that is a reason for us to pray. We are in desperate times, and desperate times call for desperate praying that we might see God move. How important it is uh, to, to God that we would pray. You know, two times in Jesus's ministry, three and a half years, he went to the temple, and two times he actually went in and he overthrew tables. He drove out those that were selling uh, sacrifices to make a profit off of God's people. Those that were exchanging money saying, well, this is the money you need to use to give the temple tax. And they were putting a charge added to it. it giving people who were coming to seek Yahweh, to pray to God, to bring a sacrifice, to connect with God, uh, giving them the this, this sense that uh you know, that they're being hindered. And so Jesus, he says, uh, my house, he quoted God's word. He said, my house shall be a house of prayer for all the nations. And then he said, you've made it into a den of thieves. That's why he, this, this righteous anger emerged in the heart of the Lord. Because God has always wanted us to be a people at prayer, right? The church has, is, and should always be characterized as a praying people. So now Timothy has been in charge of setting up leadership uh, in the church of Ephesus where he was at at this time and, and, and really to establish what is a church supposed to look like? What are they supposed to be about? And what is the right path for them to set out on to be successful in the eyes of God uh, to be that kind of church? And so here it is. He says they're to be at prayer. Well, what does that look like? Well, first of all, this Paul writes to Timothy and he says, first of all, let's talk about the priority of prayer. He says, uh, as he opens up chapter two, he says, first of all, then. When he says, first of all, it's not first in time, like one, two, three, but first in importance. This is to be primary. 
This is what the church is to be about. And then he mentions the different kinds of prayers that are to be offered. And, and there's all, so many different words for prayer that describe fellowship and worship and intercession. And he mentions a few of them. Supplication, what it means to ask, you know, to request needs for ourselves and for other people, right? Uh, Asking is not all that prayer is, but it includes that. I'm so thankful for that, that we can ask God and receive help in in our time of need. Paul says, don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. That's what he says in Philippians chapter 4, verse 6. He says the word prayers, which this is like, it means all the communication that we have with God. Intercessions, it's what we talked about last Sunday, doing battle on behalf of an individual or or perhaps maybe a need or a breakthrough that we have in our own life. And then he mentions thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is supposed to be, uh, have a prominent place in the church gathering for prayer. Not only as an individual are you and I called, like Paul says in Philippians 4, 6, and 7, uh, to let your requests be made known to God with thanksgiving, but the church is supposed to be thankful. God, we are thankful for your uh, answers to prayer. We are thankful for your goodness. We are thankful for the people that you've put in our life. We're thankful for our community that we have around us. So he talks about the priority of prayer. The second thing he mentions here is the objects of prayer. To whom we are supposed to be praying for. Of course, we pray for ourselves. But Paul's talking about the corporate church body gathering together What sort of things are you praying for? And who are you praying for? Well, he says, first of all, we're to pray for all. You know, most of us find it easy to pray for ourselves, for sure. Our family, our friends, maybe our loved ones, believers who have needs. But all would also include those who oppose us, those who irritate us, those who offend us, those who wound us. Paul gives us this very broad definition uh, of who it is that we're to pray for, the objects of our prayer, when he uses this word all, with the word all, and he even moves forward. And in case you don't know what or who is included in this word all, he mentions kings and all in high positions, government leaders, uh, those who make decisions and lead. It's interesting This is, um, you know, I think that we live in a time where we're quick to pray for the leader that we voted in, that we feel like is doing a good job, and we're very quick to criticize those leaders that we uh, do not think are doing a good job, and we frankly don't want to be in a place of leadership. Paul doesn't give us those kinds of, you know, differentiations like saying, oh, pray for the ones that are doing a good job, and they're really the ones who are supporting the church. No, he says, pray for the king and all who are in high positions of authority. It's interesting. Uh, the prophet Jeremiah wrote to the, the Israelites, the, you know, the, the southern kingdom, Judah. They were in Babylon, in captivity. We read in, in Jeremiah's prophet, prophecy that, that they were to be there for 70 years. God had determined they were going to be uh, basically on a national timeout in exile in Babylon for 70 years. Jeremiah 29, 7, he says something very interesting. He writes to these exiles. He wants them to know this is what God, is in, his intention is for you as you dwell in this foreign land. He says in Jeremiah 29, 7, and work for the peace and prosperity of the city where I sent you into exile. Pray to the Lord for it, for its welfare 
determines your welfare. Isn't that interesting? It's kind of an interesting correlation that as believers, we have another kingdom. Our kingdom, uh, the kingdom that, that dictates how you and I live our lives and what's our priorities and you know, what we value is the kingdom of God. Uh, the scriptures call, call us all the time, calls us that we are pilgrims passing through, journeying our life on earth, but really our destination is heaven, God's kingdom. And 70 years is about the average lifespan of a human being now. And as you think about that, isn't it interesting that, that we have another kingdom that we are longing to be in but here we are here on planet earth here we are as citizens of the united states of america and our kingdom is the kingdom of god but here we dwell as exiles if you would here in the nation uh, of the united states and what is our role until we're in our kingdom we're to pray for those who lead we are to seek the welfare of our city by praying for the leaders see that's that's the, uh, the objects of our prayer. It's all, and it's really in particular, Paul's getting at, is guys, you need to be praying for those who lead, kings, and all those in high authority. Political leaders that you and I didn't vote for. You know, nothing, I guess, I don't say nothing, there's a lot of things that frustrate me. <laughs> we could start a whole series in January. Things that tick off Pastor Gordon, uh, and it'd be like a 7,500-week series, but I do get frustrated when I see Christians or professing believers say things like, when Barack Obama was president, oh, he's not my president. Or when Trump was elected as president, oh, not my president. You know, hashtag not my president. Listen, here's something as a Christian, that's something that is so dishonoring to what God's word would call you and I to, to do and actually live out He is your president, and you're called to pray for kings and those who are high in authority. You don't get to differentiate, neither do I. By the way, if you don't like the political system or the people who are leading, I want you to think the reaction. You know, Paul had just gotten out of prison, and he started, and he came out, and he was catching wind of the kind of oppression that was beginning to grow. You know, the Christian community during this season they were a, seen as a sect, you know, kind of like a little bit of a, a, you know, a subgroup, if you would, of Judaism. But what was happening is that persecution was on the rise. And Caesar Nero, who is one of the most wicked leaders our world has ever known, was beginning to uh, have a distaste for Christians and became very cruel in the way that he tortured and had them murdered because of their faith in Jesus Christ. So if you, if you get offended because, well, you know, as a Christian, like I don't, you know, agree with this person who's in leadership. Imagine the Christians that were reading Paul saying, are you kidding? Pray for kings and all in high authority? That's what God's call is. The next four years, you're going to have a president that you're called by God to pray for as a Christian, like it or not. The Bible says that you and I are to fear God and to honor the king. That's what God's word says. That's what Peter wrote to a group of Christians that had wicked leadership that were making decisions that affected their lives, their livelihood, whether they would be able to stay in or out of prison because of their faith. We're to pray for local leaders. We're to pray for state leaders, those who are in Washington. And guess what? It's okay for you to want to recall a leader, but you're still called to pray for them. Like you and I can have disagreements and go, I want to vote this person in. I want to see this person voted out. But 
all of that set aside, a believer's supposed to get on their knees and say, but God, I'm asking that you would grant blessings in their life, wisdom in their life, protection for their family, that God, would, you would give them the ability to make decisions that are honoring to you, whether they believe in you or not. See, that's the call of the Christian. This is the call to prayer, that God is asking and desiring that you and I would step into this zone of obedience to him to pray for all, including kings and all who are in high authority. By the way, it's interesting that Paul connects praying with thanksgiving, to be thankful for your leaders, to be thankful for your president, whoever he or she is, to be thankful. I don't know anyone that would want to take a job where immediately once you take that job, more half or more than half the United States does not like you. <laughs> I'm like, you know, you could ask my family, you can ask my staff, like, if I think someone doesn't like me, I work really hard to make them like me. It's just like, I can't handle that emotional stress of like, oh, I just really want them to like me. Can you imagine? What a thankless job. Romans 13, one through seven tells you and I that we are to be, uh, you know, uh, thankful for those and to, and to understand that God is on the throne still, no matter what happens November 3rd, he's on the throne and he has ordained leaders in your life and in my life and authorities in your life and my life that we just have to trust that he's placed in there. And ultimately, God is working out his ultimate plan and will for his kingdom and his purposes. And so we've got to be thankful. Now, here's the last one, the reasons for prayer. There's several reasons for prayer. Paul mentions one of them, for our benefit, for the benefit of the citizens of this country as well, and our welfare, something that Jeremiah 29, 7, right? Seek, you know, uh, the, the blessing of that city, right? To work for the peace and prosperity of the city. Uh, pray to the Lord for that city, for its welfare will determine your welfare. One of the reasons for prayer is so that Paul mentions here this, this idea. You know, leaders are, the, are called to uphold what is good, right? To, uh, to, to protect our community, to protect our lives and give every single citizen, every single person the opportunity to live their lives, to earn a wage, right? And to, you know, to live in this country, to live in this community, to live in this city, and sometimes it's not always the case. You know, we live in a time right now that uh, they certainly were in that time when Paul wrote this to Timothy, and they were headed into a time that was worse when Caesar Nero really turned up, you know, his, his guns, man, on the Christian community. Uh, but we still have to um, pray, even though we live in a time where right is wrong and wrong is right. Even though we live in a time when sinful, evil things are legislated, right, into law and practiced, we still have to pray that God would give you and I the ability to uh, lead quiet, right, lives, peaceful lives. See, that's one of the benefits, our own benefit of being able to live a peaceful, quiet life with godliness and dignity. I wonder how... Our disobedience in this area, that's something I, I really processed this week. This passage right here, uh, we're going to get to one of the reasons for prayer. I always jump to that, right? Salvation. God desires all to be saved. But I always skip past the praying for our kings and, and those in high authority. I wonder if 
The disobedience of the Christian community in this particular call to prayer is uh, what's affected our ability to be a great witness in our nation, as well as the outcome of what the praying was supposed to bring. Again, pray this way for kings and all who are in authority so that we can live peaceful, quiet lives marked by godliness and dignity that we may frankly, I think what Paul was saying, live unrestricted lives that are hindered or, un, or, or without interference of the government, that we could gather freely without the government's intervention. We can preach the gospel freely. We can serve the poor and the needy freely without the government's involvement or interference in any way. Uh, right now, if you're a business owner, you're a student, you're, you know, whatever it is, I bet you there's a hearty amen. Like, I would like to live with limited government interference. I know that all of us during this lockdown, we all have our differing opinions, but I would imagine that some of you are saying, yes, let it be, Right. It's for our benefit. That's part of the reasons for prayer like this. It's also uh, good and pleasing in his, his sight. You know, some praying is not good in God's sight. It's not pleasing to the Lord uh, in his sight. James 4 tells us that. Uh, James says, you have not because you ask not. And when you ask, you don't receive because you ask amiss. What, what is James saying? He's saying you're asking God to give you things that you could spend it on your passion. It's fleshly carnal desires. And you're saying, God, I want you to answer this prayer. And God's like, why would I answer a prayer that's only going to put you more in bondage, which is the reason why I sent my son to die for you and to cover those sins, but also to pull you out of those sins, right? That's a way that we, uh, a prayer that isn't pleasing in his sight or good in his sight. First uh, John 5 tells us that we pray, we pray according to his will. We know that he hears us. And if he hears us, we know that we have the request that we've made, right? That's, that's a promise. So not praying something that's God's will. Or praying something that isn't God's will is something that's not good and pleasing in his sight. Uh, this one, however, is <clears throat> for sure God's will. He's told us, pray for all. Pray for kings and all those in high authority. And so we know that it's good and pleasing in his sight when we pray for those things. You know, the Pharisees, they prayed. Their purpose in praying, Jesus tells us in Matthew in the Sermon on the Mount, he calls them out. He says, your purpose in praying is so you might be seen by other men as super spiritual and righteous. But God has rejected that form of praying. True believers are to gather in God's presence with one another and they pray to please the Lord. They pray God's will. They pray that God would be glorified and God would be honored and that what God wants to accomplish that he would do through their praying. See, that's what's good and pleasing in his sight. This is his will to pray for all and the leaders. And then the other reason is that God desires that all people to be saved. You know, there's no one too far from God to be saved. I think, I think all of us have a person in our life. There might even be a, uh, there might be a, a political leader. There may be a celebrity. There may be a family member of yours. I certainly had people on my list. I was like, now, man, that would be a miracle if they got saved. And then I'd see them getting saved, right? God, there's nobody that is too far from God. You know, sometimes when you go to church long enough or you grow up in church, 
especially if you grow up in church. There's some things like you got to detox from growing up in church a lot of times because you come up with these ideas that there's good sinners and bad sinners. You know what I mean? Like there's like white collar sinners and there's blue collar sinners. Uh, But guess what? The Bible categorizes every human being in one lump, sinners, sinners who deserve God's wrath and judgment and eternal separation from him in hell. That's what our sin deserves. So there's no good, there's no bad. Uh, And that would include, for the group that Paul is writing up to, Caesar Nero, who was an evil, evil leader. The same blood shed on Calvary for my sin, by the way, was shed for him as well. This is not uh, this false teaching that's around called universalism, where everyone is saved because Jesus loves them and went to die on the cross. No, the Bible is very clear. Only those who believe on the Lord for salvation, who choose to call upon the name of the Lord for salvation, are the ones who will be saved. But he does desire that all would be saved. That's why we pray. That's why he says, let prayer include evangelistic praying. John tells us in John 3, 16, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish, but have eternal life. God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Notice it doesn't say, for God so loved the Republicans, for God so loved the Roman leaders, for God so loved the independents, for God so loved the Democrats. No, it says, for God so loved the world. He excludes nobody. This is why you and I can't get into a, I'll pray for that person, but I'm not praying for this person. It says, pray for all. Pray for kings and all in high authority. This is, you know, people will ask me, how do I know what God's will is? Like, you know, is it God's will for me to go to college? I don't know. Is it God's will for you to marry this person? I don't know. Like, you need to seek the Lord on this one, right? But I do know it's the Lord's will for you to step into the zone and pray like he said you should pray. Pray for kings. Pray for all in authority. Pray for everyone. That is mandated by God. That's what he calls you and I to do. Everyone excludes no one. I love that. God God wants me to pray for my knucklehead gym rat friends. He wants you to pray for your friends, your colleagues. He wants us to also pray for those who are in authority, that they would be saved, right? Pray, pray, pray. Listen, maybe you and I don't like what's going on in our world. Maybe you and I don't like what's going on in our state. Go vote. Make your voice heard. But what Paul is saying here is also make your voice heard in the throne room of God as you pray for all who are in authority. The end goal of our praying is that they would be saved, right? Clearly part of our praying is evangelistic in nature and that they would come to the knowledge of the truth. What is the truth? Paul says it, that there's one God and there's one mediator between man and God, the man, Christ Jesus. He is fully God. He was fully man. Job cried out, said, oh, that there would be someone that could be a mediator between me and God, right? Someone that could touch God and touch man. Well, that's Jesus. He was fully God. He's fully man. He's the only one qualified to take your sins and my sins on the cross because he was perfect and he had never sinned because he was God, but he also was fully man. What is the truth? 
We have one God. We have one mediator. He, uh, they would know and hear about his death and resurrection, our sin that we have, and our inability to save ourselves or to improve ourselves. Paul explains that Jesus is the one who is fully God, fully man. He's the only one that could represent us before God. He gave himself as a ransom for all, which was a payment for our sins, and all of us have sinned. I'm totally unable to redeem myself, and so are you, my friend. Religion is, is, is the, you know, we procl- you know, religions are created all over the world. There's all kinds of religions of the world, and, and, and all of them have the same message. Do this, do this, do, do, do. The gospel is done, finished. What Jesus accomplished on the cross is what makes it a, a, a you know, makes a, a sinner able to be saved and reconciled with God because Jesus became our ransom. That's the message. That's the knowledge of the truth, right? Many people have believed lies that uh, the lie that all roads lead to God. That is not true. Paul makes it clear that there is, uh, you know, one mediator. <clears throat> The man Christ Jesus, who gave himself as a ransom for us. Uh, You know, as long as you're sincere, I've heard people say, listen, the path to hell is paved in sincerity. Sincerity doesn't mean anything. It's truth is how do I get, how do I get my sins out of my life? How do I cancel my debt of sin? I can't do it through religion. I need a substitute who went to the cross, Jesus Christ, who became my ransom. His work on the cross was sufficient to save the worst sinner, right? Friends, we need a savior who took our sins upon himself, exchanged his righteousness and gave it to us, We need to pray for those who are in authority. We need to pray for our friends and loved ones too, by the way, that lies they've believed and heard would be exposed. They would see their need, their eyes would be open, and they would respond to God in his offer of forgiveness and complete pardon where he makes them and adopts them as his son and daughter. We need to pray for our community and for leaders to hear and respond to the gospel. You know, he calls you and I to talk to him about the people in our lives, but it leads us to, to talk to people about God. That's what Paul gets to in verse seven, right? He said, I, I am an, uh, called to be a, an apostle and a preacher of this truth. And guess what? So are you and so are me. So, so, uh, so are me, so am I. <laughs> Here's the reality. We began this year with a, with a challenge like, hey, Think of a one. Who's your one? Who's the one person you're going to pray for? Who's the one person you're going to say, God, I want, to, I want you to open their eyes. God, give me an opportunity to invite them to church, to share the gospel with them. And, and I want to see them come to know you in a personal way. Keep praying. And what I would encourage you to do is add to this list other people, including those who are leaders and in high authority, right? In this election cycle, Remember, we are proclaiming a perfect savior, not some flawed political ideology, no matter how much you and I believe that it's the right one or the wrong one, right? Let your gospel voice be louder this season than your political voice. Share your stuff. Do it in a, a, a way that is is tasteful. Do it in a way that is um, honorable to the Lord, right, and is peaceful. We share truth, and there's nothing wrong with that. But remember, the end goal, man, is for people to be saved. 
people to be converted to Christianity and not our political persuasion. That's why we pray. That's why God calls you and I to pray. Prayer paves the way to share the gospel and for those people to hear the gospel. And pray for your church. You know, our mission at RVC is together knowing Jesus and making him known. Man, I, I, I'm, my prayer is that as we, as we emerge from this pandemic time, as we get things moving again, back in Sunday morning mode, and we're at church together, man, that we would see not only the lost saved among us on Sunday mornings, but we would be able to leave with a heart of a missionary to go preach the good news to the lost around us, that we might see a harvest of souls that we've never seen at River Valley Church. And I, I believe that it will be born out of a, you and I saying, God, we want to be serious with the serious matters of church in heaven, which is to be about prayer. Will you commit? Here's my challenge I'm going to leave you today. Will you commit to pray for your leaders instead of blasting them? Uh, to disagree, right, with them in respectable ways, but to call on the Lord, right, to God, I pray that you would save them. I pray that you would open their eyes, right? And the call the Lord has on us is to pray for them. Put some names down this week. Send us some direct messages. Go to our website. Go to our app. We have prayer opportunities on each of those. Jot it down. Email it. Whatever you do, pray for my loved one who needs to be saved. You've got a grandkid that's wandered. Write their name down. Send it in this week. You've got a loved one that's lost. You've got a friend or a, you know, someone in your life that does not know Jesus Christ. God's desire, his reason for our prayers is that, that he might use that to bring them to a place where they are awakened to their need for Jesus and they open their hearts to the gospel. This week, I'm also going to ask you to pray for your country, to pray for your state, to pray for your city, that God would give wisdom, God would protect, God would do his will in this election cycle, and that God would bring peace, and God would bring change, and God would bring healing, and the way we as a nation, and as a state, and as a community sort of go about these divided times. Let's let the church shine bright, man, with the love of Jesus Christ. But mostly our prayer is that people would come to know Jesus Christ, including those leaders that we are praying for. You know, as we wrap up today, Maybe you're one that people have been praying for. Maybe there's been, maybe you've been on somebody's list. Maybe someone's written your name down. I'm praying for so-and-so. I want to see him know you. And now you're watching right now. Someone shot you a, you know, hey, watch this video today. I think it'll encourage you. Whatever, there's a reason why God brought you to this time right now. And I want you to know God loves you. And I want you to, to know that he desires for you to be saved, to have a knowledge of the truth. God loves you. Jesus died for your sins. How do you actually now respond? How do you get to a place where you are in a right relationship with God? Well, you can know God and have your sins forgiven. First, realize that you're a sinner. Recognize that you've broken God's commands as all of us have. There's no good sinner, bad sinner. We are all sinners in God's eyes and all of us have broken his commands recognize that Jesus Christ died for you on the cross and he rose from the dead 
exactly as his word said and promised, that Jesus died personally for your sins, and when he died on the cross, God allowed all of the the wrath that your sin and my sin deserve to be absorbed in his dear son so that he might give us all of his righteousness. You also need to repent of your sin. It means you turn in a different direction. You tell God you're sorry for your sin, and you ask him to forgive you and make you new. And the last is that you receive Jesus Christ into your life. You say, God, come into my life. There's a simple prayer that we pray often when we lead someone to, uh, to a saving knowledge of Jesus Christ, when they're ready to surrender to God. And it's something like this. Dear Lord Jesus, I know that I'm a sinner, and I ask for your forgiveness today. I believe you died for my sins and you rose from the dead. I trust and I follow you as my Lord and Savior. Guide my life and help me to do your will in your name. Amen. You can pray something like that. There's no magic to the words. God's looking at your heart. But if you're ready to surrender to him, the Bible says that all who call on the name of the Lord shall be saved. Call on the Lord today, friend, and be saved and and have a relationship with God established that you too might be a part of his glorious kingdom one day where we we leave this place, man, and we finally get to be in a place of perfection in God's kingdom forever and ever, not because we were righteous, but because we believed in a righteous Savior that went to the cross for us. God bless you. Thanks for joining us today. We're going to continue our series on a call to prayer next week. We're going to talk about God's invitation into his throne room. So invite someone to watch with you. God bless you. Have an amazing rest of your day.